This podcast may contain explicit language. Welcome to the Dynasty Download, the show where we prove Dynasty League fantasy is the best form there is. I'm Tom Duncan, and normally you would hear my co-host at that sound introduce himself, but unfortunately, Ethan is otherwise uh, held up, I guess might be the right word for it. So this is going to be a weird experiment for me. I'm going to do a quick solo pod. I felt that getting more regular pods up on the air was good for everybody in the audience, And so if you're willing to stick it out with me here, I'm going to try and put together the best show that I can for you. First off, if you would like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at dynastydownload10 at gmail.com. If you'd like to be on our mailing list this year or going forward, please send us a note there. If you sign up for our mailing list, you will get a copy of my full 2021 Dynasty Rookie Rankings that won't be up on the website. And also, you can now follow us on Twitter at DY download 2020. And as always, please follow, rate, and review the show so that more people can discover that Dynasty Fantasy is the best form there is. I would also like to mention that we do have a specific podcast player website out right now. It is dynasty so hyphen download.captivate.fm. If you go right there, you can listen to every episode of the show as it goes up. And uh, I think it actually looks pretty good. So you can let us know uh, either on Twitter or emailing the show. With that, let's get to the news. First thing up this week, Deshaun Watson is now being investigated by the FBI. To me, this says this is extraordinarily more serious than we were led to believe most of the offseason. It was one thing when it was a few accusers, when it was 10, when it was 15, when this was a civil litigation, then it escalated and the Houston Police Department was investigating things. When the feds start to investigate you, I kind of panic. And I'll be honest, my initial reaction to that news specifically was, okay, I'm not sure if Deshaun Watson's ever going to play down a football again. Simply put, it gets exponentially more serious from here if he's got to actually do some time involved with this. Again, it's miles away from being a civil litigation thing, and I don't want to speculate too much further. I know that I'm probably out on the limb already just talking about it this way, but we're looking at a situation where he's clearly not going to play for the Texans. I think that's obviously clear at this point. I don't know if he's going to be able to be traded during the middle of this, and it's quite possible that this thing is going to be tied up for a long time. So as far as a fantasy asset, please, please just stay away from him right now until we get more clarity on what's going to happen. Next piece of news, there are still some open questions on a couple of key fantasy assets and some guys who might be going earlier in drafts. So first up, we have Saquon Barkley. He has been cleared to return to practice the last I heard. Unfortunately, I'm not sure what his outlook is going to be. It's still up in the air where he's going to end up making his first start this season. Some people are projecting maybe in the first round or excuse me, the first week, maybe the second week. We're not entirely certain. It's something that I would push him down my draft board considerably into the second 
set of running backs picked before I'd take a chance on him. There are a lot of guys that I like and are likely to be available early on that are not Saquon Barkley that don't give me pause, particularly given how dysfunctional the Giants are right now and how limited that offense seems to be. You talk about Kenny Galladay is probably not going to be available right away. The fact that Daniel Jones just continues to look like lost in that uh, system going forward. I don't have a lot of faith that the Giants offense is going to be great. And I know there were at points last year, especially at the end of the year, where Wayne Gallman was actually racking up yards and being a valuable fantasy asset. But I don't know what's going to happen with this. And I'd be surprised if Saquon Barkley is the guy that we had during his rookie year. He's missed two years with some weird injuries. He's coming back off of this ACL, and it doesn't look like he's going to be ready to go right away. If you really want to spend a first or a second round pick on a guy that you're not sure you're going to have right away, and he may not look great coming out of the gates, a guy that maybe four weeks, five weeks into the season, when you only have about 13 or 14 weeks of the regular season and fantasy to win, boy, that's that's a tough pill to swallow for that early a pick when you really have to hit on those picks. So he's another guy that I would probably put my caution flags up on. The next one is Joe Burrow. And again, I think he's a little bit different situation. I don't know whether he is going to start week one, but he is a guy that I wouldn't mind streaming later on. I know that he has a running element to his game, but given that he can stand from the pocket and be a pocket passer, I mean, we saw him do a lot of pocket passing at LSU. He can run, and that's an element, but it's not necessarily the thing that makes Joe Burrow special. It's that he has a really good arm, and he's comfortable and calm in the pocket. Now, I don't know if I want to put him behind the Bengals' offensive line that they didn't upgrade this year and that they took Jamar Chase over Panay Sewell, but he still has the weapons around him. He's got Jamar Chase. He's got T. Higgins. He's got Tyler Boyd. He's got, uh, I think, Tyler Croft. So, I mean, he's got guys that he can throw the football to in an offense that's built to be explosive. The line gives me pause. His injury gives me pause. But if he comes back, he could be a undervalued asset because of the injury who could really explode this season because that defense is not going to stop anybody, and he's going to have to throw a lot. So look out for that one as a potential steal that you're definitely going to need to have another quarterback for the first few weeks of the season because A, he may not play, and B, he may be a little rusty coming off of that injury, but I do think that he could be valuable. He's not a guy that I'm knocking down in the same way that I am Saquon Barkley because of his injury. Chase Claypool left the practice field earlier this week with what we thought could have been anything from a high ankle sprain to a knee but it sounds like he just has a minor ankle injury and that he'll probably be okay for week one. We'll see how that plays out, but I don't think it's anything to worry about from anything I've seen on Twitter. Finally, just a Michael Thomas update. I know he's a guy we've talked about in each of the last two episodes. He could be a valuable fantasy asset, but when is he going to play? Apparently the timetable for this is that he could return as soon as week three or be out as many as weeks five to eight. And if that's a guy, and I know his ADP is slipping day by day into, the, I think, the 70s at this point. So you'd get him in the eighth round value. But 
is that even a guy I want to spend an eighth round value on when I can get somebody that's potentially more upside that's going to be available right away? A Rondale Moore and Elijah Moore, I'm trying to think of some of the guys that go in that range, maybe an Antonio Brown uh, who played pretty well at the end of last year and has Tom Brady plus won't be the number one focus of defenses to stop. I just don't know if the value is there to take him when you have to swallow him for injuries. And especially if you don't have IR slots, first off, if you're playing in leagues without IR slots, you need to talk to your commissioner. I think that's just highway robbery at this point, since they allow us to do that. And especially in the years of COVID. But if you don't have those, especially, I can't see a a realistic path to taking Michael Thomas. Now, If you get a tip that he's going to be available within a week, maybe two, picking him up on the waiver wire, not necessarily a bad idea. But if you're going out and actively drafting him before maybe the the 11th, 12th round, boy, I think you're taking an awful risk when there are other guys on the board that could be much more valuable right away. All right, so let's get to the high point of the evening. We're going to do what I like to call anatomy of a dynasty keeper. So first off, This week, we had our cutdowns in our Dynasty League, and a lot of things go into those decisions. So in our particular league, we keep 15 of our 22 overall slots. We throw seven back into the pool primarily so that we can have our seven-round rookie draft. You end up with 22 on your roster, and then you move forward each year. So a couple of the guys that kind of go into your decision-making. First off, you're going to keep the core players. So any of the top 10 quarterbacks on the board are probably automatically kept. I would say maybe even the top 15 to 20 are probably going to be kept with 22 roster slots. You're probably going to keep five to six wide receivers and about five to six running backs, probably a tight end or two. But most of the top 50, if not the top 80, especially with a 10-team league and you get to keep 15, so there's probably 150 players kept you're going to keep a lot of the top tier guys. So when we're talking about the cut downs, the guys that are close to the edge of your roster that you're probably trimming off, we're probably talking guys at least that are below the rank of 100 in most standard redraft leagues, or their ADP is below 100 this year coming in for a normal redraft purpose. So We're not looking at the top stars. We're not even looking at the secondary stars. We're looking at the third, fourth tier guys that you can make a case for that they might be valuable on your roster, but probably not. Now, I can maybe make a case for keeping a defense if and only if the value on the rest of your team isn't great, but value in defense is extremely limited, and from year to year, the top scoring defense just doesn't perform the same the following year. I think it's, what, five or six years straight where the top scoring defense hasn't finished better than ninth the following season. So the predictability of fantasy defense just is not there. And also, if you are keeping a kicker, you should just be banned from your dynasty league. I'll be quite blunt on that point. I don't understand it whatsoever. There is no kicker that is at all valuable enough to keep as one of your 15 selections when you have literally how many guys that you could have picked up and stashed to just put on your roster so that you could keep towards next year. It makes absolutely no sense. Take even a guy with a modicum of upside off the middle of your bench 
and he is going to be exponentially better potential than anything you'd get from a fucking kicker. It's just not there. So let's start at another favorite position of mine, the handcuff running back. So guys falling into this category. Now I'm going to exclude a couple of them because I think some are a little bit above board, specifically Kareem Hunt in that system, because the way the Browns run this year and last year, or at least are expected to, it's kind of a 1A, 1B where Nick Chubb is the top running back and Kareem Hunt is actually a little bit better than a handcuff because he's going to get a lot of run too. He finished, I think, as running back 10 or 11 in most PPR leagues last year. I'm pretty sure he finished as running back 10 in our league last year. So I don't put him in this category, but guys that you'd find in this range, Latavius Murray for Alvin Kamara, Alexander Madison for Dalvin Cook, Tony Pollard for Ezekiel Elliott, A.J. Dillon for Aaron Jones, Kenyon Drake for Josh Jacobs, Tariq Cohen, but probably more Damian Williams for uh, David Montgomery, Salvan Ahmed for Miles Gaskin, Darrington Evans for Derrick Henry, so on and so forth. There are a lot of these guys that are going to be potential value. Now, it just depends on how much value you have in the rest of your roster. This year, even though I would have loved to have kept them, Tony Pollard and Alexander Madison, who would be number one backs if those other guys got significantly hurt. So if Delvin Cook is missing time, if Ezekiel Elliott is missing time, I believe in both Madison and Tony Pollard in stepping in and basically filling the shoes of those guys. I think they're more than capable enough to do so. These are guys that I would have kept in any other situation but the one I currently have where I just have too much other talent that actually can contribute on a regular basis that I don't need to lock up those spots. The one exception being somebody like Rashad Penny, who's the backup for Chris Carson. Now, I personally kept him, but I wouldn't advise anybody to keep Rashad Penny if they didn't already have Chris Carson. He's a guy that's coming off of multiple injuries. He hasn't seen the field a ton. I know he got a little bit of work at the end of the season last year, but he's just not the same value as you get out of some of these other handcuff running backs that at least get some type of action might even be a flex consideration depending on how their offenses deploy them. I simply just don't see him contributing unless Chris Carson is out. Now, that being the case, he has missed at least one game every year for the last four, maybe five years. And I know that he just got a new contract, but there's going to be times at which he is going to miss time. I also know that the Seattle run game, even since Marshawn Lynch left the the, uh, Seahawks, has been a actually productive running game. Now, with that in mind, they have been an underrated running game, and locking up a position where you have Chris Carson and Rashad Penny basically locks down one of your two running back spots that you can fill with something else. Personally, I was hoping to do that with Cam Akers this year, and you all know how that turned out. So I'm having to turn to alternative options and see what happens. But my wide receiver class is stacked. So you have to make other cutdowns. I'm not able to keep guys that can't contribute right away as opposed to other guys that I'm going to have to rotate in and out of my flex position this year. That being said, if you don't have a lot of core starters on my particular team, you were talking about keeping Tony Pollard over somebody like Cortland Sutton. I don't think anybody's going to do that or advise that you would do that. 
But given where my team was at last year, I was able to keep several handcuffed running backs, and Ethan was able to tease me all season about doing so. It just depends on what your team has. If you have the handcuff to one of your top backs, I absolutely think you should probably keep them, particularly because you're locking down an entire position for the long term. If you have Elvin Kamara and then you don't keep Latavius Murray, I think that's kind of a bold risk. I know Kamara hasn't missed a ton of time and he's been incredibly durable, but on the off chance that he does miss time, this is a guy that could easily fill in and did two years ago when Kamara missed time and was able to fill in as an RB1 during that time. So you don't miss a step. So if you have any of these guys, just ask yourself where you're at. This is the other thing about Dynasty. If those guys get cut because those were not on the same team as the guys that they would be eventually replacing, picking those up during your draft, even in the fourth, fifth round, can be valuable because some of those guys will overpay to lock up that position. So you can use them as trade assets. Another thing that I would like to advise, older veterans are guys that potentially get cut. In our particular league, Raheem Mostert got cut. Now, personally, I think this was a little bit surprising, but targeting him in the draft, I think is kind of a waste given that Trey Sermon is likely to be the starter at some point this season and that I don't think that highly of Mostert probably passed about week eight. This is a guy that already showed signs of slowing down and his age last year when he missed a ton of time. And you know that the 49ers like to rotate guys constantly in those Shanahan schemes. So it's quite possible that his best days are basically over and you'd be wasting a pick on somebody like that. Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, Antonio Brown, Zach Ertz, Rob Gronkowski, James Conner, Mike Davis, Philip Lindsay, Tevin Coleman, Hunter Henry. Only a handful of these guys are going to remain on certain teams. In fact, I had to cut Hunter Henry myself just due to the amount of guys that I already had ahead of him based on my personal rankings. Now, is he a valuable player? Potentially, yes. But he's going to the Patriots, and I don't know how he's going to fit in. Am I going to cut somebody like Odell Beckham Jr. in order to keep somebody like that? Not really. So it's just a matter of where your own personal rankings are. These guys can be valuable, but it just depends on where your team stacks up and where you have the top ranked of your 15. You want to keep value, but older veterans are likely to be the guys that you're more willing to cut because as I would put it, and as I would advise anyone, guys who are younger with higher upside are a little bit more valuable the farther down the rankings you go. Unless you have a Julio Jones who clearly can still produce and is at least a wide receiver three right now based on ADP and rankings, I would say that somebody that's his age, 32, and is coming off of missing eight games last season is not a guy that I would necessarily look to keep unless I was going to offload him or try and trade him for any value that I could get, especially if you're a bottom tier team. You're looking for guys with higher upside that are a little bit younger, that haven't had the injury history that Julio Jones has had the last few years. And then finally, non-breakouts. These are the guys that are going to be close to the cut line that you may feel almost like a jilted lover by. So the Daniel Joneses, the Baker Mayfields, Evan Ingram, Tyler Higby, Mike Gusecki, Zach Moss, Devin Singletary, Mike Williams, Hollywood Brown, Christian Kirk. 
Now, a lot of these guys are probably going to make it on most people's cut list, but these are also the guys that you might get some value out of if you think that they're going to break out finally. These are guys usually year two, year three, that underperformed and relative to expectations, haven't lived up to what we thought they might be coming into your rookie draft. These are guys you can get for a song. They're not going to go in the first round. That's going to be exclusively the rookies out of this year's draft. They probably won't go in the second round. Those will be a mix of those and maybe some of the highest players cut, usually a few veteran players sprinkled in here or there. These are the guys that are probably going to go in the third or fourth round that you can take a chance on that nobody has on their current roster and get some good value on them if you hit. So I would certainly be scoping this position group of guys that are second, third year guys that maybe were in a bad offense, maybe didn't have the right quarterback. Uh, Certainly that they were buried in the depth chart, but they're finally ready to get their opportunity. You want to look for a little bit of value in there, but are these guys that necessarily you want to keep? It just, again, depends on who you're rostering. And again, I would advise upside and youth over keeping veterans who clearly are on the decline. So basically that takes you through kind of what my thinking is on most keepers. And we'll be going into that more, I'm sure, as we kind of go through the reaction to the draft. Uh, We have our league draft or our seven-round rookie draft on Sunday night this upcoming week. So I'm sure we're going to have some reaction to that. I'm assuming Ethan will be back with me early next week when we are able to do our reaction episode to that. But thank you for sticking with me for this quick solo pod. Uh, I know that this was kind of an unusual experiment. It feels weird just talking to, I guess, the wall. (laughs) So thank you to all the listeners and Dynasty players out there. I appreciate you listening and taking a chance on this one. I'll be back again at the beginning of next week in order to round out our draft coverage and really get into the nitty gritty of looking forward to the season. What are some early season trades or stuff that you can do before week one, guys that you can capitalize on that have lower markets that you might be able to get in some transactions and uh, make sure that are on your roster that you're ready and locked to go to compete week one. If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at dynastydownload10 at gmail.com. And you can also now follow us on Twitter at dydownload20. And as always, please follow, rate, and review the show so that more people can discover that Dynasty Fantasy is the best one there is. This podcast was mixed, produced, and edited by Thomas Duncan. It is a production of Ronnie Duncan Studios. Our music is thanks to Purple Planet Music. Our technical provider and distributor is Captivate Network.